Oh!
I extend my greetings and best wishes to each of you around the world who join in listening to this podcast. From time to time, we receive uh, responses from different people. And this past week, we had an email from Pastor Asher Manshah in Karachi, Pakistan. He had just conducted a crusade in that great city. A hundred thousand people were in attendance. He called it the Festival of Miracles Crusade. That's a great title, and uh, I commend this brother and look forward to hearing from uh, more of you in this new year of 23. We're studying Ephesians, one of the greatest and most meaningful books in the Bible. Of course, the Apostle Paul was the author through the inspiration of God, he gave this very important message. By way of review, let me recall with you that in the first chapter, we find an opening doxology given by Paul. And then there is a prayer for spiritual knowledge and power. Here, in this great prayer, the power of God's Spirit, verses 14 through 16, and the power of God's love, verses 17 through 19, grip our hearts and minds with the most needed truth in God's Word. Friend, please do not miss the thrust of these doctrinal chapters written by the Apostle Paul. You recall in chapter 1 how the triune God works out the plan of salvation. Paul concludes this by praying that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And then as we moved on to chapter 2, we find that God, through Paul, describes how man comes to experience salvation. And he tells us that this transformation breaks down all barriers, bringing all mankind into one great family. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, Paul writes, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. This people of God is described as a spiritual temple or a building where God dwells in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. And so God's people are a spiritual temple. And it is the purpose of God as 
Paul is inspired to write, that this people might know the fullness of Christ with all of his great power and love in their lives and in their church body. You see, it is the purpose of God not only that we come into the right position, but also that we be a practical possession of Christ. God wants to give us not only salvation, but also sanctification. That is the process of becoming like Jesus and the ministry to the world that God wants to be sounded around the world. God wants to not only give us salvation, I say, but sanctification, growth in Christ. And that's what Paul means as he opens his prayer for this cause. The Apostle Paul identifies himself in this uh, epistle as the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Indeed, Paul was a prisoner in a Roman dungeon when he wrote this letter. But that which obsessed him was not so much the Romans who had taken him prisoner, but that Jesus Christ was his master and he was his prisoner. His life was committed to accomplishing God's purpose of winning the Gentiles. No sooner had Paul begun his prayer than he interrupts it by a long digression about his special ministry. It is an explanatory parenthesis which Paul felt was necessary for his readers to fully appreciate his praying that he offered for them. The long parenthesis begun in verse 2 is concluded in verse 13. Now the prayer begins in verse 14. Paul says, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. If you will, look at the manner in which Paul prayed with great humility. I bow my knees unto the Father. And look at who the prayer is addressed unto the Father, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And with great confidence and faith that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, all oh, that we might know more of the riches. And so Paul's prayer is based on the riches of God's glory and the fullness of God's perfection. Paul was not hesitant to pray because he knew that God does not give grudgingly or meagerly, 
but according to the measure of his infinite fullness. And then as Paul continues in chapter 3, we find the petitions for which Paul is asking God. The Greek prayer is that we might know God's power, and that we looked at last week, and today to have love in our hearts for God's people and for a lost world. And so Paul prays that we might be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Man's spirit is the place for God's spirit. And through our spirit, it is to flow to others. And so, my friend, this is the background of what Paul is writing. And now we come to his prayer that God's people might be possessed and overwhelmed and instruments of God's love. Paul, in verse 17, says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, this does not mean that he did not already dwell there. Rather, that through a growing faith, there might be a more consistent and fuller indwelling of this living Christ. Faith is the means by which one appropriates Christ's presence, his glory, and his virtues, and power for his ministry. The verb dwell is in the aorist tense. And so literally, it should be rendered that Christ may take up his abode in your heart. Jesus promised this to the believers. If a man love me, he will keep my words as the Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He says, Christ dwelling in me is the hope of glory. Paul must have shouted when he exclaimed those words. And so the most provident evidence that Christ is dwelling in a life is love. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. That's stated in Romans 5, 5. When the evangelist Charles Finney was filled with God's Spirit, he referred to it as being filled with love. Finney wrote this one time, but as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was such a thing for me, without recollection that I had even heard the thing mentioned by other preachers. 
But that day the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of it like the very breath of God. Yes, Finney and many others have had that emotional response to the infilling of God's Spirit. But my friend, I want to remind you that this is not the whole truth of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry and filling of the Holy Spirit is not just an emotional experience, something that comes and then leaves us, but rather the infilling of the Holy Spirit is to subdue our evil passions and to flow through us to the needs of people about us, especially to a lost world. We need to pray like Paul that we will be able to comprehend this with all saints, to be able to understand it and to contemplate the glory of Christ's love must increasingly be a transforming factor in your life and associations. The sphere of life in which men learn understand and practice this love is with all saints. Love is an abstraction until it relates to others. It is a life of sharing and concern. It is a life of reaching out to meet the needs of others. The more we know of Christ's love, the more it will flow through us to the lives of other people. We must not be a dam that backs up what God is trying to do, but that we will be a course through which God can flow to the great needs of people. And so the love of Christ is so immense that no person, can measure it. Paul invites us to look at the limitations of the universe as one looks at the great expanse of the sky above. Paul says God's love is like that. How broad is the love of God? Broad enough to include all people everywhere. How long is the love of God? Oh, it removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. How deep is the love of God? The immeasurable distance from heaven's height to hell's deepest depths. How high is the love of God? High enough to lift every believer and to inspire and flow through them to meet the needs of others. God's love is so high that it will lift the believing center into the very presence of God. Someone wrote, 
for the love of God is broader than the measure of man's mind, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. And Paul goes on to pray now that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That is the purpose of the petitions for which Paul was offering. Knowledge of the love of Christ means it's possible for one to be filled with the fullness of God. But this does not mean that they are filled with the fullness of God in the sense that they become God and reach a, a, a filling point. But rather it means that all the attributes of God and his supernatural power and love that came to dwell bodily, now you can have the fullness of life in him. That which was in Jesus now becomes to be his mystical body on earth dwelling in the church and individual Christians. It is important, my friend, to understand that the original language tells us that a believer progressively filled up to the measure of God's fullness. It's not some sudden thing that takes place in the individual life and then it's all over. It's not necessarily a great emotional experience and then it's over. It is a process of growth obtained as Christ fills all things and especially our lives. Paul speaks of this in 4.13. That he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It's important for you to understand that in the original language, Paul is talking about a process of growth as Christ fills all things. And then in verse 20, we find Paul's confidence and faith with which he prayed. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul is confident that God will answer the prayer that he has offered. That power that raised Jesus from the dead is available 
So Paul concludes with praise for what God is going to do. He says that he's able to do all things that we ask or think. Is able to do above all that we ask or think. Is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. Is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Dear friends, think of it. The power and ability of God surpasses by far our highest aspirations, our greatest thoughts, and our most sincere prayers and petitions. The channel through which this prayer is answered will be according to the power of God that works in us. What he is able to do is dependent upon what we allow him to do. His will will do as much for us and through us as we let him do in us and as he purposed in his will to do. And so the reason for all that Paul has written and prayed is that unto him, Jesus Christ, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Dear friends, thank you for being a part of this program today. And I trust that the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and bring you as a believer to a new height of infilling and service and ministry and winning people to Christ. And there are those of you who have listened today who do not know in a personal way the Lord Jesus. It's my prayer and of the many who are a part of this program that you might come to that place of turning from sin in repentance and trusting Jesus in faith for salvation and following through with what he has commanded you to do to confess him openly, to follow in baptism, and to be a part of God's working body, the church. Our Father, in Jesus' name, may the power of the Holy Spirit take this message around the world to thousands of people and bring them to Jesus, to the cross, to the empty tomb, and to the hope of Christ coming again. Amen. My friend, I hope that many of you, like this pastor that I mentioned in the beginning, will take time to email us, write us, or call us. We'd be happy to hear from you and send you some literature if that would uh, be helpful to you. Thank you again for being a part of New Beginning. Amen.